Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. It is currently 5.21 a.m. East Coast time. It is Sunday, November 24th. We have an NFL full Sunday of 11-game slate, but we also have what we're going to break down in this video, a Sunday night football showdown slate, a couple hundred thousand dollars to first in one of those contests, the big ones over on DraftKings, FanDuel, and there's some really nice ones as well over on sites like Fantasy Draft and Yahoo. You can check all those out. It's between the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to go through a list of players I'll break them down. Only 13 players that I have listed on here. But once again, if you're going to enter anything more than really like 20 lineups um, or 15 lineups, I think that you should be adding more players in. We'll talk about which types of players those can be afterwards. But if you're only entering one to five lineups, which I'm sure the far majority of the listeners and viewers and my audience and you guys are listening to this are, then yeah, you know what? It's it's good to have a tighter player pool. And if you're entering only five lineups, you shouldn't be playing um, just uh, completely different lineups in every different person, uh, six unique, right? If you, a unique is a different person in a lineup. And if you have six different people in all five of your lineups, it's going to be a little bit hard to really bink anything. You're, you're spreading yourself pretty thin there. So uh, 13 players are listed here, the least that I've probably ever had. But it's an interesting slate where there's a lot of guys just priced up against a really solid defense. And then another one, that has a, a pretty okay secondary, nice pass rush. So, um, yeah, we're going to get into this. Before we do, welcome to the channel on the podcast. If you are indeed new here, my name is Sal Vetri, and I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. We have NBA stuff going out every day. I urge you to check that out. But right now, NFL content on the channel as well. I'm sure you're watching this later in the day. Maybe you're chasing your winnings. Maybe you're, you're chasing your losses, tailing your losses, whatever it might be. Uh, best of luck on this showdown slate. Linked up down below in the description are my social media accounts. I have an Instagram where I post just, a, well, I mean, obviously Instagram related content, but stories here and there about some things on my exclusive content on Patreon. That is free. Patreon is where my exclusive content lives. Link down below for NBA and NFL right now. We will be putting in some PGA content starting in January, starting in the new year once PGA starts back up. And the NFL is towards the end of things in the playoffs, but check that out. I put about 15 to 10 or 10 to 15 hours a week into YouTube videos and content um, on here on this platform and on the podcast. And then I also put around 25 to 35 hours a week into Patreon. So if you like what I do, there's more over on Patreon. I urge you once again, follow me over on Instagram and you can follow me on Twitter at DFS. So that's all the plugs. Appreciate you. Linked up down below in the description are some free strategy guides on how to play NBA and NFL DFS. If you're interested, I believe there are some showdown tips for this type of a slate in there as well. So hit that subscribe button before we get into it. About to crush through 16,000 subscribers today. I appreciate all of you, maybe by the time you're watching this, but hey, join the community. It's totally free. And if you're listening on the audio version, five-star rate and review for a chance to win any fantasy draft entry into their Sunday main event contest for next week. If you do that, it's totally free as well. And be entered into a chance to win. Three people will win by next week. And usually, only like six people do it a week so you got like a 50 50 chance you might as well do it all right here's the contest we're gonna go player by player again 13 players in this pool right now interesting game um i think that the you have a san francisco team at a 48 over under their three-point favorites at home this game got flexed from the four o'clock start to the night game and honestly i sit here as a packers fan but an anti-biased packers fan and say san fran should have no problems beating green bay there's only one thing that stands in their way that's aaron Rodgers in a primetime game in nice weather um and not having to play in lambeau field but they should have no problems. Looking at a high level here, they're going to have a huge advantage with George Kittle likely to suit up. The Packers have been one of the worst. It's not the worst team this season against tight ends. They just cannot cover short crossing routes against big physical tight ends. They don't have the personnel to do it. George Kittle should have himself a day. Um, they should have all the success in the world running the ball to the San Francisco team. Kenny Clark has been 
questionable for this game. It seems likely now that he will suit up, but even then you have a Packers team giving up the fourth most rushing yards per game, third most point fantasy points per game to the running back position against a team that likes to scheme and knows how to scheme to get their running backs into open space on this Kyle Shanahan offense. So that's concerning. And then number three, the secondary for San Francisco is going to overpower the receivers for the Packers. You have Devontae Adams against Emmanuel Mosley. That's going to be a positive matchup for the Packers, but not as positive as it seems, although Adams is levels above the skill level of Emmanuel Mosley. Mosley has been elite this year, in my opinion. Um, so far this season, Emmanuel Mosley has only given up 1.9. Listen to this number. This number's crazy. 1.9 receptions per game for 24.8 yards per game in coverage. Then you have Richard Sherman on the left side of the field. He just doesn't leave that side of the field. He'll be shutting down pretty easily and pretty handily the combinations of MVS, Alan Lazard, and Jake Kumaru that the Packers throw out there. Very low samples and low doses of Jake Kumaru. And then in the slot, you'll have some Alan Lazard who'll move there. Devontae Adams will surely move there, but on normal three wide receiver sets, you'll have on the outside Adams with a mixture of MVS and probably more Alan Lazard on the left side of the field getting taken away by Richard Sherman. And then in the slot, you have Quan Williams going up against Geronimo Allison. And Quan Williams over the last six weeks of the season has the best pass rating against in the slot in the entire league. The best slot corner over the last six weeks. He's top five in the, on the league in the league this season. It's a brutal spot in coverage, and then your other weapons, obviously, are your running backs and your tight ends, but just secondary-wise, this Packers, these wide receivers are going to be overpowered. It doesn't take too much to take uh, Devontae Adams, maybe not out of the game, but limiting him to a 7-8 catch performance for 80-90 yards. It's not killing your offense, and then you have to have MVS try and beat you, who has been running no routes over the last three or four weeks, some due to injury, some due to just losing his job to Allen Lazard. So, yeah, it's, an, it's a really bad matchup um, overall on paper. So let's get into some of these matchups, starting with my yeses. I only have three, and then I have a list of ten maybes. Um, there's really not that many guys who stand out. Pricing is priced up for really every single player on this slate, um, so it's difficult to want to recommend anybody. I think there's a couple spots that stand out to me, and those are the ones we'll talk about here. Devontae Adams, for me, is a yes. He's $9,400. I said he's going to avoid Richard Sherman. It's very easy to because Sherman just stays on one side of the field. Emmanuel Mosley, who he will likely see, has been playing great in the slot. When he goes there, Adams about 25-30% of the time. He'll get Quan Williams, who has been playing great. Again, Mosley has only given up 1.9 receptions per game, 24.8 yards per game, and 10 games of action. I still trust Adams, especially around the ups, uh, especially around the red zone. He's going to be the fixated um, target of Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers, let's say, um, if Aaron Rodgers in this game has six red zone attempts, I feel pretty confident in saying that at least two are going to Devontae Adams, and I like that upside there. $9,400 is a fine price point, even in a difficult, in a very difficult matchup with a pass rush that can get to Aaron Rodgers since the all line is dealing with some injuries, although getting much healthier over the last two weeks. Cole Madison placed on IR, um, a guard for the Packers, but uh, more of a depth thing issue instead of a, a real main concern. So Devontae Adams... Um, I really I feel confident in this guy seeing 10 plus more targets, a couple of red zone targets, and at that point on a showdown slate, you're not asking for much more. 9400 if he scores 16, 17 fantasy points on PPR format where you can easily catch seven balls, um, it's probably all you need even at that price tag. Uh, George Kittle at 8400 he's likely to suit up, so track his status. Obviously, if he doesn't, then Ross Dwally becomes a fantastic play at his price point. If he does suit up, I have no interest in Ross Dwally. Kittle's going to go right back into his 90-plus percent snap. Well, I imagine this is the biggest game of the season for both teams. The winner is probably going to get a bye in the playoffs. Um, I mean, both teams might end up getting a bye, but the winner is more securely going to get a bye with only three games left for each of them, four games left for each of them. It's just a spot where if you look at every single tight end, the Packers have faced pretty much every elite tight end. You have Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. Um, they're going to face Evan Ingram if he's healthy in time. They're going to face George Kittle now. There's somebody else that I'm leaving out, um, surely. Uh, Greg Olson had a good game. He's not elite, but he had a great game against them. They can't cover tight ends. They can't cover short underneath crossing routes by tight ends. George Kittle, in my opinion, at 8,400 is the best pay-up option on the entire slate in terms of a captain or just rostering in your lineups. He is the priority on the slate for me as long as he's healthy. 
Jamal Williams at 6,600. Look, he's probably overpriced, but you have a $9,000 Tevin Coleman. You have a $9,600 Aaron Jones, $8,800 Manuel Mosley, um, $9,800 Jimmy G, 10K Aaron Rodgers, the two guys I just mentioned in Kittle and Adams. He's overpriced, but he's still relatively cheap. Like there's nobody in the mid-range. He's the only player on the slate in the 6K range that is actually rosterable. No backup quarterbacks, right? Taking those out. He's the only player in the 6K range. There's nobody in the 7K range, and there's only two players in the 5K range, and one's the 49ers defense against Aaron Rodgers, who only has two turnovers this season, two interceptions. One bounced off the face mask of Darius Shepard. Disgusting. Couldn't catch the ball. Literally hit his face. The other one... there's an alarm. The other one bounced off the chest of MVS when he was getting pass interfered with against the Eagles at the end of the game there. So uh, I'm not paying 5K for a 49ers defense. I'm not paying 5,200 for likely a backup tight end now in Ross Dwelly. So uh, let's just say there's virtually no options in the 5K range. There's virtually no options in the 7K range. And he's the only option in the 6K range. So there's a good change. You're going to just naturally land on a lot of Jamal Williams. Or you're just going to leave like $3,000 on the table because all of these roster, all these players are rostered at 8K or above or 4K or below outside of a guy like Jamal Williams. So, yes, I have interest. Um, you're going to get Jamal Williams, a guy who's going to probably see 12 to 15 touches. He's very much involved around the, the red zone. He is not somebody who's a priority, and he's not a yes because of the fact that I think he's going to smash here. He's a yes because of the pricing. Like, he is 6,600. The guys below him, like we said, in the 4K range are guys like Raheem Mostart, MVS, um, Jimmy Graham, guys who have either no upside, like uh, in my opinion, MVS, probably most start, or who have very limited upside and only red zone upside like Jimmy Graham, I'd rather get to the guy in Jamal Williams who's probably going to see twice as many touches and opportunities, if not three or four times as many as guys like Jimmy Graham. So he's at least in play for me. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo at 9,800. We get to the quarterbacks now. They're both interesting to me just because of the price points and the nature of the slate. So what does that mean? Well, if one of these quarterbacks scores 18 fantasy points today, they're, they're going to be needed because they're so cheap. They're not $12,000. And there's really not a, lot, not a lot of other players in the slate that I think in their specific matchups can go for 18 plus. I think Adams can because of his eliteness. I think George Kittle can. But then you start getting down into these individual matchups for running backs and wide receivers and factor in their price point. Aaron Jones, surely he's great, but at 96%, he has a neutral run blocking advantage. Uh, San Fran's allowing just 4.4 yards per carry, third for fewest points to running backs per game, and he's 9,600. And he's probably going to see 15 or 16 total touches because Jamal Williams is still active there. It's a really steep price point, the second highest price player on the slate on the Packers in third overall behind both quarterbacks. I get it. He scores a lot of touchdowns, but it's really a steep price point as his overall receiving yard since Adams came down and his target share has gone down from the mid twenties to the low teens. So the opportunity and his versatility has not been there since Adams returns, which is as expected, but a little bit unfortunate that they're not scheming similar plays for him. So I think that he's probably not a guy that I want to get to. So you look at the quarterbacks, and yeah, I, I, at first I took off Aaron Rodgers because, look, it's a slate that lacks scoring upside. Rodgers should be considered, but it's really hard to imagine MVS, Lazard, producing over uh, Richard Sherman, the number one cornerback in the league in terms of passing against. It's really hard to imagine John Wilson, who's had a brutal year and has not gotten any separation, to now face the best cornerback over the last six weeks in the slot. And really, you're just relying on dump-offs to your running backs. You're relying on Devontae Adams to get open. And then maybe you can just see the corpse of Jimmy Graham continue to stay viable as he has for like two or three games this season. Um, but like, how do you get the upside from Aaron Rodgers? And then I remembered, if Aaron Rodgers rushes for 30, 40 yards on his own in this game, um, if he just ends up having 16, 17 fantasy points, and he outscores Jimmy G, there's a real chance that Aaron Rodgers is just the guy needed. So I think one of these quarterbacks will be needed. I think both of them is probably a little bit too expensive. Pretty much pick the guy that you think is going to outscore the other one. I personally think Jimmy G probably scores more points than Aaron Rodgers. Nothing against Rodgers. Rodgers has the mobility upside to get you there, but I just like the matchups for Jimmy G for his Kendrick Bournes, Emmanuel Sanders, and Debo Samuels against the Packers secondary than I do for the MVSs, Alan Lazards, and Jerron Allisons of the world behind Devontae Adams for the Packers. 
against the San Fran secondary. So I think both are in play. I personally slightly lean Jimmy G right now, although their run script is three-point home favorites. It favors them to say, you know what? Hey, they should be running the ball in this one. They still have a nice implied team total, and they're surely going to be throwing it. The Packers do generate the seventh most pressure in the league, and they're 12th in overall coverage. The only concern really in rostering Jimmy G is the pass rush. The Packers right now have a 24% advantage in pass or, or in pass rush, so minus 24% for the offensive line of San Francisco. That's a little bit worrisome. Um, it's really a toss-up, whichever one you want. I slightly probably lean Jimmy G. Uh, Tevin Coleman's $9,000. He seems really steep here. He has a positive 12% run-blocking advantage over the average. Green Bay allows its fourth most rushing yards per game at 104 per game and third most fantasy points to the running back position per game. There's likely going to be no Matt Breida. He's doubtful, but it just seems like a very steep price tag. He's definitely in play because there's just so many guys that are and play this week, but like you can pay $9,000 for Tevin Coleman. If you're going to pay that much, it almost makes it, and it's not yet there for me, but 9600 for Aaron Jones seems a lot more attractive than 9000 for Coleman, only because Coleman doesn't catch as many passes. He's not as active around the red zone um, with a guy like Raheem Mostart still active. Jeff Wilson only played one snap last week, so he's not really active. Only six snaps over the last month, last four games. Jeff Wilson, crazy stat. His one, stat, his one snap last week went for the game-winning touchdown. Pretty crazy. So Tevin Coleman's loosely of an interest to me. He's just a steep price point, but it's a bad run defense for sure. Debo Samuel at 8,200. I went back and forth on this because it's really tough to see how the Packers are going to line up here. You'll have Tremont Williams in the slot against Emmanuel Sanders, who has now faced the Packers. This will be his second time. Faced him on the Broncos earlier this year. Got shut down by Tremont Williams in the slot and a lot of Jair Alexander in the slot. But he has different weapons around him now, so it's going to be interesting to see. You have Debo Samuel and Kendrick Bourne on the outsides, and Kendrick Bourne is two inches taller than Debo Samuel, which usually the Packers in that situation will put Kevin King on a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who's the taller receiver, because King is a taller cornerback for the Packers. So if you get Debo Samuel's matchup against Jair Alexander, who Alexander has had a rough time this season, at $8,200, it is still a tough matchup for Debo. I definitely would rather play George Kittle at 8200 but Debo will at least have an okay matchup for parts of the game against Kevin King, a tougher matchup against Jair, um, but at 8200 I don't think on this slate it's a ridiculous price point. He's the cheapest of all these expensive guys, and he has been producing as of late. Kendrick Bourne at 4,600. He's likely to run as a wide receiver three, as he has been for the past two or three weeks, ahead of Marquise Goodwin, way ahead of Dante Pettis. Um, and you've had a guy like Richie James Jr. head to pretty much just uh, special team snaps for the most part. Uh, he'll face Kevin King, who's given up the most receiving yards in the league this season for cornerbacks, uh, 649 in 10 games. He's averaging 3.8 receptions allowed and 64.9 yards per game. Um, King has not been overall terrible, as those numbers indicate. He's been targeted a lot, so obviously the more you're targeted, the more yards you're going to just give up because you'll give up more receptions. It's kind of a, a quantity over quality type of thing at that point. But he still has, he's been like average. 82 pass rating against is not terrible. Um, he's just giving up a ton of volume because he's targeted and a lot more than most people. So it's a little bit of a, a skewed stat. But even then, um, it's still good to see that type of a matchup for Kendrick Bourne at 4,600. I think he's viable. Jimmy Graham, slightly viable. Look, he's going to probably face Tart, the safety downfield, which is a really tough matchup. Jimmy Graham's going to be touchdown dependent, right? So when you, when, you, when you square Jimmy Graham up for $600 more than Mason Crosby, the Packers kicker, for $800 more than Chase McClellan, the San Francisco kicker, because it seems like Robbie Gold will be out once again, but we should track that just to make sure, um, up until lock, uh, you, you get a spot where he's more expensive than them, but he obviously has touchdown upside to score 12 or 13 points when those kickers tonight probably score somewhere around 7 to 10 points. So yeah, or 6 to 10 points even, so... Graham is very touchdown dependent, but at his price point, he's definitely in play. Both kickers, I think they're very much in play. I think one of them will be needed on this slate, um, whether it's Crosby or McClellan. I, I think I just go for the cheaper one. They have similar uh, field goal props in Vegas. So, yeah, I probably get to McClellan, the San Francisco kicker, more than Crosby. But, again, both are in play. Packers defense, if I had to pick a defense, I'd go there. They're just cheap. There's not a lot of cheap value plays in this slate that I think are viable. Surely there'll be people rostering 
Jake Kumru in his three routes run, he's run 6.6 over the last month of the season, 20 routes total over the last three games. I don't want that. There'll be people rostering Jeff Wilson and his six total snaps over the last six weeks. They'll see the touchdown last week. That was his only snap of the game. There'll be people rostering Alan Lazard and MVS against Richard Sherman at increased price points of 4000 and 3200 I think that's a little bit ridiculous. So uh, I'm fine going to a Packers defense at 3000 That We've seen Jimmy G make mistakes this year. He has 10 interceptions. We know that there's a really good pass rush on this Packers team. Preston Smith is a Darius Smith. We also know that uh, the offensive line for San Fran has been banged up for two months now, and they have a disadvantage this week. So not a priority play, but definitely in play. Kyle Juszczyk, he makes the list, but I do want to point out that he ran 16 routes last week. He's averaging only nine routes per week. So yesterday was a little bit inflated. On the season before last week, he had six catches for 76 yards and nine targets in six games. Last week, he had seven catches for 63 yards on seven targets. So in one game last week, he pretty much matches his season average or season totals in receptions. He outdoes that by one and comes very close to matching his yardage. And he sees seven targets in that game where he only had nine all year. So $1,600 Kyle Juszczyk, I believe, is overpriced in my opinion. I think more times than not, you'll see one to two targets out of this guy for a game. You'll see one to two receptions out of this guy in a game. I mean, he's only averaging 1.5 targets per game on the season. He's only averaging before last week, one reception per game for around 12 yards. So I think that more times than not at 1600 you probably get yourself two to three fantasy points out of, or zero to three fantasy points out of Kyle Juszczyk. I'm going to put him right now as we look at this as a no. He's a maybe, but he was only a maybe because I wanted to discuss him. I know people are going to look at the game logs. I know people are going to get in the comments and go, Kyle Juszczyk, what do you mean? He just had seven receptions last week. Okay. If you want to play everybody off of their performance last week, you could also go ahead and play Jeff Smith Jr., who had one snap and scored a touchdown, and you can see how many times that that works out for you. Kyle Juszczyk is surely cheap at 1600 relative to the other players on the slate, but if I told you more times than not, he's going to project out in my model right now for about 2.5 fantasy points or 2.1 fantasy points, he's not winning a tournament. If he, scores, if he catches two balls for 20 yards for you and has four fantasy points at 1600 he's probably not winning you a tournament. So he has to do what he did last week, or, or at least not that to that extent, but he probably has to score you six plus fantasy points because before he starts becoming viable, right? Start matching or outscoring those kickers. So at two catches for 20 yards, which I think would be above average performance for him in this game, it definitely would be based on his season totals um, and not just last week's totals. And yeah, I probably don't want to get to Kyle Juszczyk. I think there's low upside in that type of a fullback, although he is schemed into this offense. I think he probably runs 10 to 12 routes in this game. He probably sees one to two targets and at best he catches both for about 15 to 20 yards. Lastly, Aaron Rodgers at 10,000. Again, I, I touched on this earlier. I had him originally out because I just hate the matchups for MVS and Lazard against Richard Sherman, for John Wallace in the slot, um, for Jeremy Graham against Tart. Even, even I mean, Devontae Adams' matchup is brutal against Emmanuel Moosley. He's just a, a very good, obviously, wide receiver, in my opinion, top five wide receiver in the game when healthy. So, yeah, it's a spot where Rodgers is in play. It's a toss-up between him and Jimmy G. He's $200 more expensive than Jimmy G. Um, I, I don't really have a strong stance on it. If you want to play him, it's fine. It's a terrible matchup. I'd probably go to Jimmy G. Aaron Jones I'm not going to get to here just because of the price point. 9600 I prefer Devontae Adams, George Kittle in that price range. I prefer Tevin Coleman. Slightly in that price range, I prefer Jimmy G in that price range, so I just can't play all these guys, right? I'm trying to cater this video to the people making one to five lineups. If you're playing 20 to 50 to 150, yeah, have obviously Aaron Jones and some of those. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, similar things. I just don't get there. Second time facing Green Bay this year. Last time they shut him down with Jair Alexander and Tremont in the slot. Tremont Williams in the slot this year in coverage, only giving up 11 receptions in 10 games 
for 143 yards, uh, a 56.9 pass rating against. That is top six in the league for cornerbacks covering in the slot this year in terms of pass rating against. So he's already shut down Emmanuel Sanders once this year. I imagine he can do it again. And then also, once again, I prefer George Kittle. I prefer Devontae Adams. I prefer Jimmy G. Debo Samuel, all those guys in the 8 and 9K range, so it's tough to get there. Ross Dwelly will become a fantastic smash play that gives a lot of value and is probably extremely highly owned if indeed George Kittle is ruled out at just 5,200. Raheem Mostart seems very overpriced for me. He did run 18 routes last week. He did play on 40 plus percent of the snaps, but more times than not, he's only going to finish with somewhere around eight touches. He had eight total touches last week for 27 yards. If you think he breaks off a big touchdown run, then 4,200 is fair, but at that price point, I'd rather take my chances with Kendrick Bourne and Jimmy Graham. MVS is overpriced. He's running just 10.3 routes per week over the last three weeks. Uh, Lazard has kind of become the guy ahead of him in the rotation. MVS has surely been dealing with injury. He's once again going to be a deep threat target, but he's just not running routes. Um, not a guy that I really want to get to. Alan Lazard, probably against a lot of Richard Sherman, is now Green Bay's wide receiver too, it seems. But again, he's going to get the number one cornerback in the league in Sherman in terms of passer rating against. Not a great spot. Jaron Mawalson in the slot at 2,800 is a very attractive price point. I almost made him a maybe, but I think Allison's upside here is, is like two receptions for like maybe 30 yards, and at 2,800, that's overpriced in my opinion. He has a minus 27% matchup, the worst on the slate outside of Richard Sherman against Alan Lazard and MBS. So the second worst matchup for any team on the slate is John Mawson against Kwan. The worst matchup is the combination of MBS and Lazard against Richard Sherman. And if you're somebody who's sitting here going, ah, you know what, MBS can catch a 40-yard touchdown against Sherman. I would say no, he can't. But um, also, I would say that every single showdown slate that San Fran has been on, and they've been on a ton. They've been on like six primetime games this year. Or this is their six, I can't remember. But um, Richard Sherman has just goose-egged. Your Demir Birds of the world. Your Keyshawn Johnsons. He just goose-eggs them. They, they don't have a single reception. So uh, the, the talent is, diff- is, is without a doubt far superior on the defensive side here. So no interest in Danny Vitale, the fullback. He'll probably be a zero to one touches at best. No interest in Mercedes Lewis. He's only ran nine routes per week and hasn't ran a route in the last two games for the Packers. No interest in Dante Pettis or Marquise Goodwin. They're both running. Uh, I, I So definitely no interest in Pettis. He continues to run less routes, zero last week. Uh, but Marquise Goodwin ran six routes two weeks ago and then 16 last week. So if you're looking for a dirt cheap player, Marquise Goodwin will probably run 15 to 18 routes in this game. And he is a guy who beat the Packers up a lot last season. He had two touchdowns. Obviously, it's a much different team. There's now a Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders on this team. Kendrick Bourne has taken a step forward, but Goodwin's probably going to come on the field for about 15, 16, 17 snaps uh, with upside down the field. So not a player that I have a ton of interest in, but he's probably the guy that if I was going to enter 20 to 30 lineups, I would also throw him into some of them. So that is it. I haven't done a Sunday night football slate in a while. Hopefully you guys enjoy this video. I'm a Packers fan, so I figured, you know what? I don't have to put as much research into this because I know every single thing about these Packers um, far too much, but... Anyways, if you enjoyed this video and this podcast, please do hit the five-star rate and review on the podcast. And before you leave, hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. Comment down below. Who do you think is the best player below $8,000 to roster on this slate? Point per dollar. Any player. Who do you think scores the most value for you? Not the most pure points, the most value below $8,000. There's no 7K range. There's barely a 5K range. There's barely a 6K range. So you might have to start looking for some low-end value. Who do you think it is? Appreciate you all tuning in. Check out my exclusive content linked up down below. Follow me on Instagram. If I, do, I don't usually do cash game or, or tiers for Sunday Night Football. Probably won't have time. But you can follow me over there for potential releases of my content um, for exclusive content for just Instagram followers only for short periods, short periods of time. I'll put like a story up that says, hey, this is open for an hour or this is open for today. Go check it out. And only Instagram people will see that. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at DFS. Thank you for tuning into this uh, episode. Sunday Night Football showdown slate between the Packers and 49ers. A couple hundred thousand on the line and potentially a first round buy in the NFC Championship. My name's Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.